Listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I am the host of this program. In light of starting a new year, it is our hope from Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries that God pours out His blessings and grace to all of our listeners and showers everyone with His unfailing love. In 2016. As the new year of 2016 awaits us, there have been some changes made to Unity in Christ. Our program that spoke about the many ethics of Christianity, titled Christian Ethics, has come to an end, and in place will be a new program titled The Voice of the Martyrs. This program holds the story of the many people who lived and sacrificed their lives by their faith given by Jesus. We hope for many listeners during this time. As we may all start every new year setting New Year's resolutions and goals, today I would like for us to think deeply about our weaknesses we may have before God. Let us take this time to humble ourselves before Christ and think about how we may overcome our weaknesses in faith and grow and mature within the Word. Living a Christian life can be burdensome sometimes. Not only due to external pressures or situations, but also because of the weaknesses within me. Even after years of living in faith, I still see myself acting like a child at times, still afraid of taking that one bold leap of faith. Whenever I see myself hesitating, I always wonder why I still struggle and fail. Why does my faith never grow? Am I not a child of God? If I had stronger faith, I would have been able to accomplish so much for God's kingdom. But I'm still hopeless. These are the kinds of thoughts I have when I observe my weaknesses. But a few days ago, when I was reading the Bible, I heard God's voice comforting my soul. We'll come back to share more after our first song. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some still had their doubts. Then Jesus came to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so you must go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. These verses of Matthew chapter 28, verse 16-20 are very well known. The night of Jesus' arrest, all of his disciples abandoned him. They all had spent three years with Jesus, eating with Jesus, and witnessing all of his miracles. However, the night Jesus was arrested, all of them ran away. Even Peter, who boldly proclaimed that he would never deny Jesus, even upon death, and Thomas, who once incited his fellow disciples to go and die together with Jesus, left Jesus behind. Only disciple John remained near the cross to see Jesus' crucifixion. From the worldly perspective, all of the disciples seemed to have no sense of honor or loyalty. They had been calling Jesus their Lord for a full three years, but when Jesus got arrested, they all abandoned him. However, Jesus remembers them and visits them again after his resurrection. Jesus never blames or judges them. Before crucifixion, Jesus sometimes rebuked them for their lack of faith. However, after his resurrection, Jesus no longer scolds them for their lack of faith. Instead, Jesus calls them once again to Galilee, where Jesus and his disciples had met for the first time, in order to recover their stance as disciples. Jesus' never-ending love towards his weak and pitiful disciples comforted and encouraged me once again. Especially verse 16 and 17 of Matthew chapter 28 resonated deeply within me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some still had their doubts. 
scholars differ in their opinions on the interpretation of these verses. Some scholars believe that those who still had doubts were not Jesus's disciples, but other crowds. But to me, this verse seems to convey that a few disciples still had remaining doubts, because the book of Matthew only tells us the stories of disciples. This intensifies my love and gratitude for Jesus. The disciples had abandoned Jesus and remained suspicious even at the sight of resurrected Jesus. However, he still came back to them and never gave up on them. He already knew that his disciples would be scattered, deny his name, and doubt his resurrection. But he still decided to choose them and kept them as his disciples. And now, Jesus is even giving them a new mission on behalf of himself, who is about to depart. Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Love One Another, Part 1, based on 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 through 18. I hope you have a blessed time as you join Pastor Mark Martin. First John chapter 3. We've seen some of the 
characteristics of children of God. God's children don't practice to sin anymore, right? We don't, I mean, it doesn't mean we don't sin. Like I've said, we're not sinless, but we do sin less. And we're not practicing to sin. I don't want to get any better at it, do you? No way. I want to get better at loving the Lord and doing the things that please Him and the things that bring Him joy. Learning to do His will. That's what it's all about. But I also uh, notice that another characteristic of children of God is that they love one another. They love one another. It says in verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Now we would think, well, maybe you can tell by looking at them. You know, children of God, they wear suits to church. Children of the devil, well, you know how they dress. He doesn't really pull any outward characteristic like how you look or the kind of songs you sing. He doesn't say, well, those who sing out of hymnals are definitely more spiritual than those who are singing using the devil's music. You know, sometimes you hear people talk like that. And I'm not saying, don't take that, that I think any particular kind of music is the devil's music. But they'll say, you know, you can tell. Well, what does Jesus say is the way you can tell? Look at what it says. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. What? Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. He's saying, look, this is obviously the characteristics of children of God. Because he's writing 3 verse 1, Behold what manner of love that has been bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Whoa, and such we are. Okay, what are the characteristics? We don't practice to sin anymore. We want to live for Jesus. I think we've talked about that a lot. And then he says, secondly, we love one another. Jesus said to his disciples, John was there when he said it, by this shall all men know, the whole world will know, that you're my disciples because you love one another. That's how the whole world's going to know that we are followers of Christ because we love each other. The world looks on and they say, whoa, look at how they love one another. Look how they care for one another. Look at how they meet one another's needs. They're, when one is weeping, the others are weeping. When one is happy, the other is happy. Sometimes in the church office, that can be very interesting. You get one phone call and a baby has just been born. Another phone call, you know, right on the second line and someone is dying. Boy, and you felt that too, haven't you? You hear news one day, a brother or sister is rejoicing over an answer to prayer. News the next day, somebody else has had a loss. And what are you called to do? To love. And love expresses itself in meeting that need. Presenting Jesus in an effective way, in joy, in grief, in sorrow, sadness, gladness, in all those ways. So he says, this is the obvious, this is the obvious. Children of God, children of God, they practice righteousness and they love one another. Children of the devil don't practice righteousness. They practice to sin. They don't love one another. They're living for number one. They're living for themselves. They only care about themselves. They use people. They don't live to bless people. And so he continues, verse 11, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning that we should what? Love one another. I love Christianity. It's so simple. Then he says, not as Cain. Cain is the antithesis of what we want to be. He's the opposite of what we want to be. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Remember how it was the first murder recorded that ever happened, actually, in the world. And it was a jealous heart. 
Abel had offered sacrifice to God of uh, an animal sacrifice to God. Cain had offered the work of his hands, the fruit of this earth, which was cursed. God cursed the ground and everything it produced after the fall of Adam and Eve. Cain, though, thought he could just offer to God his good works. He worked hard, and it was good. It was big. I'm sure the fruit was huge, whatever he offered. Big fruit salad on the altar. God didn't regard Cain's offering, but he did have regard for Abel's offering. Cain became jealous and killed his brother Abel. I think it's significant that the first murder occurred over a matter of religion. Isn't that interesting? And you think of how people are murdering each other today, and it's over religion. Huge battles and wars today over religion. And Jesus comes and he says, look, I didn't come to bring a sword upon the earth. I came to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. And then to bring matters a little closer to home, it's easier to say, yeah, them, yeah, them. What about us? Do you think Christians, do you think evangelical Christians, do you think anybody you know might be so tempted to become enraged against another Christian over a matter of faith, over something that somebody is offering to God? I see it happening. One brother is saying, this is my offering to God. This is what I've done for the Lord. Another brother or sister comes along and says, that's unacceptable. And maybe the Lord's blessing a little more what one brother is doing or sister is doing. And and so jealousy is the cause of so many of these arguments among Christians, I think. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one. And slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. If you're doing the Lord's will, you can expect opposition. Have you heard me say that before? You're not going to hear a lot of unique things out of me probably over the years. That is something that I am constantly surprised by because don't you kind of think that if you're doing what God wants you to do, then you are always going to have kind of a highway, a super highway of faith just rolled out in front of you. That's kind of what I would expect. But instead, it seems like the more you want to do for the Lord and the more your heart is set on the Lord, the more you'll find the Lord opposing you. I have to just laugh like about the sign out there. Nine months putting the sign up. I think that if we had a little two-by-four sign out there, that probably that would have been put up in two days. You know what I'm saying? But there's so much opposition. Do many of you know what I'm talking about? So I don't have to repeat history. Okay. There is so much opposition. And the opposition, I believe, is because there are millions and millions of people driving by that seeing a message of Jesus Christ, the enemy opposes and he resists. Because our deeds are righteous. And he would, if he could, take us out. That's where we're so glad that we're under the protection of God our Father. Amen. Verse 13. Do not marvel, brethren, read, if the world, what? Hates you. Okay, exactly what I'm saying, but I always do marvel. And whenever, whenever you say a do not be surprised or something like that in the Bible. You can understand the Holy Spirit had it put there because we are surprised. And he's just kind of coming alongside. He's the comforter, shoring us up. He's walking alongside us saying, now don't be surprised. I, what has happened? I can't believe this is happening. Now don't be surprised. We're in enemy territory. The enemy is not happy with this. He, he is not very happy with what is happening in your life with the Lord working in you. Don't be surprised. Don't marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death, verse 14. Now, this is not saying that the way you get saved is by loving the brethren. 
It is not saying we know we have passed out of life and the death because we love the brethren. It's not saying because we love the brethren, we're saved. It's saying we love the brethren and we can see that we have passed into eternal life because we love the brethren. See, when you haven't been saved yet, you don't have that love for brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the reasons why we come together and we fellowship with one another is because we love one another. Now, that's something that you cultivate in a larger church. It's something you do because of two reasons. Number one, you believe this is the will of God that I hang out with other Christians. Number two, it blesses you, it blesses me. Thirdly, we do it because it encourages each other. So there's like three reasons. I'm doing it out of obedience, I'm here. I'm here because it builds me up. I'm here because it builds you up too. We encourage one another. And so we gotta get to know each other. In a large church, it's important for you to reach out. You know, if you would have friends, the proverb says, show yourself what? Friendly, be friendly. It's easy to sit there and say, no one said hi to me. I've been there four times and not one person has reached out their hand to say hi to me. Well, maybe inform your face that you're a friendly person. It's a lot easier for somebody to go up to you if you've got a semi-pleasant face on. And that doesn't mean you have to walk around grinning all the time either. Um, I'm not into that. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Bottom line for Christians, we take care of each other. When we find out somebody has a need, we do whatever we can to take care of that need. Now, sometimes you can't yourself meet the need, but maybe you can network spiritually, right? That's cool. That's what the early church did. They just didn't know they were networking, okay? But they were networking. Somebody had a contact over here. Somebody had some land over here. They'd sell it for somebody over here. They'd give. They'd, they'd share. They'd provide. Yeah, there were some users. There were some people who abused the system. The Lord kind of thinned them out. But it went for the blessing and the maturing of the body. So as we find out needs, we want to try to bless one another and take care of each other. Moving on. Verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, the, the teaching of Jesus. John is saturated with the sayings of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, like James's as well. But you, you remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if you hate, you've already committed what? Murder. You don't have to take out uh, a weapon and, and physically kill somebody. If you've felt hatred towards somebody, you've already murdered them. Jesus makes us very accountable because Jesus knows that, that actions proceed from the what? The heart. And so he's saying you've got to guard your heart. You've got to watch that carefully because out of anger and bitterness and hurt can proceed uh, and envy can, can proceed hatred. And he says watch it because then that can spill over and it goes way off the scale. And he says if you hate, you're already a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So if you're not loving your brethren, that doesn't mean like if you're having a difficult time. How do you forgive somebody, by the way? How do you forgive somebody? Because, you know, that's not an option for us. You can't say, well, you know, I can, I, can, I can do everything, but don't ask me to forgive her. Don't ask me to forgive him. Because that's the one thing. Okay then God's not going to forgive you. What do you mean? Uh, like the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, trespasses, sins, whatever they are, whatever you did. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, owe us who have transgressed against us. Forgive me as. And the Lord says, as we forgive others, so we will be forgiven. So it's important that we forgive. You say, I'm not saved if I don't forgive? No, not saying that, but I'm saying one of the evidences of a child of God is that you forgive others. And see, a lot of us, we need to hear Jesus saying, 
you will be forgiven as you forgive others. Otherwise, we wouldn't forgive. We would hang on to that, wouldn't we? Has anybody here been hurt by somebody? Oh, some of you have never been hurt by anybody. It does say something about lying here. You just hurt me, you said. Okay, okay, so we've been hurt. How do we let go of the hurt? Well, we have to drop our charges against the people who have offended us and let Jesus, our defense attorney, take up the cause for us. Really, he's really good at it. And you just let it go. Because if we really believe the things I keep saying, if we really believe God loves us, God is in control, and God has a plan for us, then even through these hurts, God is working. Amen? For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, these are things we have to build our lives with. These are building blocks of life, gang. Later on, after we've lived some, we may look back on years and be able to say what Joseph said to his brethren in, in uh, Genesis when they came to him. And ultimately, you know, he had gone through um, rejection and he'd gone through the dungeon and through the slavery and, and he finally was prime minister of Egypt and he was able then to say, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. Now, you live a while you begin to realize, okay, that's true. What was meant for evil against me, God meant for good. In many cases, you'll see that in life, but you won't see it in all cases in this life. I guarantee you, you will not complain when you get to heaven. I don't know exactly how the Lord, some people say, the Lord will show you everything. Well, we're not even told that in the Bible. But I guarantee you, there won't be any dissatisfaction in heaven. You will be satisfied. I will be satisfied when I wake with your likeness. We'll be satisfied with the Lord. We're not going to be going, oh, I just can't believe how hurt I was on earth. I can't believe what they did to me. I can't believe how unfair it was. I can't believe how they overlooked me. I can't believe. You know what? That's not going to be an issue. You're going to just be totally. So on earth, why don't we start be heavenly mind? So midweek here, as we listen, we can think, okay, these are the issues in front of me. Maybe it was something at work. Maybe it was something at home. Possibly it could even be an issue with somebody very close to you, and you've become hurt. You have to lay it down, forgive them, say, I dropped my charges, and that doesn't mean I'm saying what they did was okay. That's not forgiveness. That's lying. What they did wasn't okay. It hurts. But I'm dropping the charges. Jesus, you take up my cause. And you don't even have to pray, take them, Lord, take them down. You don't have to do it. Just, Lord, you take up my cause. And every time you sense that hate coming up, you just continue to say, wait, I forgave them. Lord, I dropped my charges again. Because I've noticed that hurt heals kind of like your body heals. You ever cut yourself pretty bad or maybe got one of those cuts that is a, a paper cut on your finger? Oh, how annoying, right? I mean, it's not going to stop you from being able to work, right? You're going to, but, you know, every time you, you, you start perspiring a little bit, ow, it starts stinging. Or you, or you forget and you salt your carrot stick or whatever. It's, ah, you know. You know, it's just, and it doesn't want to heal because it takes a long time. It doesn't heal from the top down, does it? Heals from the inside up. And our wounds, you know, sometimes they're just very painful. You know, it's not going to die. But if you let it get infected, because you don't let the Lord wash you, cleanse you from anger and hatred and bitterness, then, then you, you may end up with, you know, a little deal ends up being a great big deal in your life.
He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter. Gospel Ministry is looking for volunteers in tech editing to ensure the quality of the broadcast and the addition of more encouraging and empowering programs. Volunteer hours are three hours a week and anyone who's had experience with computer before can participate. And don't worry if you're not familiar with the sound editing program, Heart and Soul will provide basic training in editing 
So if anyone is interested in helping out our ministry, please contact us at 602-866-8999. Thank you. There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is the story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled, The Voice of the Martyrs. Hello listeners, this is Rhonda Walker. Thank you for listening to The Voice of the Martyrs. What comes to your mind when you hear words such as persecution, oppression, hardship, or martyrdom? Do you think of those who kept their faith in the ancient church? Or perhaps you think of countries in the Middle East under terrorist control? Persecution is hostility because of race or religious beliefs, and oppression is prolonged cruel or unjust treatment or control. Is persecution and oppression of Christians the story from faraway history or countries? What is evil's purpose for the persecution and oppression of Christians? Our enemy uses persecution as part of a plan to push Christians to give up their faith in the face of threatening or dangerous circumstances. The story of persecution and oppression is not just a story from ancient Rome or distant countries but is an ongoing story that applies to Christians in our community today. In fact, persecution and oppression is closer and more imminent than we expect. For example, only a few decades ago, missionaries and Christians in South Korea refused to deny their faith during persecution and oppression, instead sacrificing their lives to evangelize the country and to fight for freedom against oppression during the Japanese occupation. Some people simply do not enjoy talking about persecution and oppression because it makes them afraid. They would rather avoid the conversation if they can. However, the word persecution can never be separated from the word Christianity. In the beginning of Christianity, Jesus himself died on the cross as the result of persecution and oppression. Those who killed Jesus thought they stopped the gospel of Christ. Those who killed Jesus thought they stopped the gospel of Jesus, bragging that they had killed the God of Christianity. But they didn't realize Christ's death and resurrection was part of God's plan. Jesus suffered and died in the midst of oppression and persecution, but that wasn't the end of the story. He rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. He is our example of how Christians should live and stand up for what they believe in. In the four Gospels, Jesus continually reminds Christians of the upcoming hardship and persecution to come because of the name of Christ. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. Matthew 10.22 Also in Luke 21.12, it says, But before all these things, They will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. In Revelation 2.10, Christians are told, You will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death. And in verses 25 and 26 of that same chapter, we read, Nevertheless, What you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and keeps my deeds unto the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. So for the believer, persecution and oppression should not be a surprise. If we are true Christians who pursue holiness in Christ, it is guaranteed that persecution will come. Persecution can be both physical and spiritual. Regardless of the form of persecution, We must be prepared and have faith to overcome persecution and hardship that could come at any time. When we are called to face persecution for our faith, are we certain that we have the spiritual strength to overcome? How can we develop such faith? Does such faith just form while we live our ordinary lives in the world? Would those who do not live for Christ 
ever be ready to die for Christ? The program, The Voice of the Martyrs, will explore the lives of Christians who held on to their faith in the face of persecution. As we learn about their lives, we will together strengthen our faith to be ready for the time of persecution. In sharing these true stories of those who stood strong for the Lord in the face of persecution, we hope that you will always remember the discussions and stories we have shared on the program and that you were encouraged by them. We want you to be able to overcome persecution and oppression. The Voice of the Martyrs will take a form of the radio drama. Hebrews chapter 11 includes a list of the Lord's faithful, also referred to as the Hall of Faith. This list includes many Old Testament saints who were persecuted and even tortured for their faith. Verse 38 declares, that the world was not worthy of these faithful men and women. Likewise, true Christians do not belong to this world, and the world is not worthy of them. The world cannot handle them. As Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 20, we do not need to be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Instead, we Christians must fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This does not mean that we must follow God only because we are afraid of him. This instead reminds us that when we face danger, we must not fear what is visible in front of us. Even in the United States, there is growing persecution and oppression of Christians. In 1999, two U.S. high school girls in Colorado also met persecution face to face yet did not deny their faith, even when confronted with a shotgun. Their meeting with persecution happened on April 20, 1999. That day, two boys who were students at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, killed 12 students and a teacher and injured 23 more. The two boys had gathered in people in one space and asked each person if he or she believed in God. Even in the United States, there is growing persecution and oppression of Christians. In 1999, two U.S. high school girls in Colorado also met persecution face to face. Yet, they did not deny their faith, even when confronted with a shotgun. Here are their stories. For Cassie Bernal, the world was not worthy. At the age of 17, Cassie had transformed from being a joyless teenager who was disrespectful to her parents, obsessed with death rock music, vampires, self-mutilation, and dabbling in witchcraft, to becoming born again, full of the joy of the Lord. She had asked God to forgive her sins and Jesus to come into her life while at a weekend church camp. She told her mother after the camp, Mom, I've really changed. I've totally changed. Cassie gave her testimony to her church youth group and told them, You really can't live without Christ. It's like impossible to really have a really true life without Him. She attended Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. At her high school, she quickly became a very outspoken Christian, eager to tell others how Jesus had changed her life. She wore a What Would Jesus Do bracelet and began carrying her Bible to school along with her school books. Just two days after sharing her testimony at youth group, Cassie was in her high school library on April 20th 1999, when two boys armed with guns terrorized the school. Weeks earlier, these boys had made videos declaring their intense hatred of Christianity. Students in the library were told to hide under desks until help arrived. At one point, the boys entered the library where Cassie was crouched under a desk. She had become well known on campus for the dramatic positive changes in her life after being born again. 
One of the boys found her under the desk in prayer, wearing her What Would Jesus Do bracelet. He murdered her right there for her faith. Valine Schnur is another young high school student who was in the school library hiding under a desk that day. One of the murderous boys had fired a shotgun several times under her table, killing her best friend Lauren and injuring Valine. Valine was now bleeding from 34 separate wounds and prayed out loud, Oh my God, don't let me die. She fell to her knees and continued to pray. The killer heard her and said to her, God, do you believe in God? She answered, yes, I believe in God. He responded, why? Wounded and bleeding, she could barely answer, but managed to say, because I believe, and my parents brought me up that way. The killer began to reload the shotgun, and he was distracted by something else and walked off. Valine continued praying and crawled for safety. She managed to make it out of the library and was later rushed into surgery and survived. These two high school girls shined as examples of people who stood up for their faith in the face of persecution. One of the last scriptures Cassie Bernal had been studying was Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11, which say about the Lord, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I pray that all of us become Christians that the world cannot handle. We will now conclude this first episode of The Voice of the Martyrs. This is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe Your holy presence Living in me This is my daily This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I Living 
for God. Are you hungry for him? How can Jesus trust these men when they doubt him, even at the sight of resurrected Jesus? How can Jesus choose them as his disciples and give them the mission of heaven? The Bible answers my question. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yes, Jesus chose his disciples not because they were talented or gifted, but because all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. The disciples' weaknesses no longer mattered. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. Verse 19 and 20 of the same chapter tells us, Because Jesus had all authority and power, he chose to give his power to his disciples. We are weak human beings who cannot help but to struggle on our own. We will continue to struggle and fall down, but our Lord will bring us back up and recover us. He made His promise to be with us to the very end. This gives us strength to depend on Him and try our best wherever we are in order to fulfill the mission that He has given to us. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. I hope all of our listeners may begin this new year overcoming their weaknesses and believing that all authority is in the hands of Christ. That this year we may take a bold leap of faith and live our lives to the fullest capabilities God has allowed us to enhance His kingdom. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure. I hope to speak to you this time next week and God bless. I have not much to offer you not near what you deserve, but still I come because your cross has placed in me my worth. Oh Christ, my King of sympathy, whose wounds secure my Grace extends to call me friend. Your mercy sets me free, and I know I'm weak. I know I'm unworthy to call upon your name, but because of grace, because of your mercy.
Here I am at your feet. 